to season two episode five of the bolt from the blue podcast and here in this virtual skype studio we have our normal two bolt from the blue podcast members we have ray from man city fan chat how are you doing ray i'm very well very well mike i had a very nice meeting today and lunch with colin and kieran mcguire and mm. uh, then an absolute waste of four hours going to Anfield trying to meet some Liverpool fans who knew anything about Liverpool's history and had anything sensible to say. An absolute waste of time. Just tell our listeners, who is this Kieran Maguire? Kieran Maguire, he's a um, chartered accountant. So, you know, we had three accountants sat there talking about football finances. Must he's have an been expert. fascinating. Oh, yes, it was extremely fascinating. Uh, but he, he's a, uh, a lecturer at the University of Liverpool on uh, on football, uh, football matters, and, and especially football finance. And that's basically what we talked about, football finances. It was brilliant, wasn't it, Colin? It was very good, yeah. No, I mean, it, it sounds um, we're making that up, but no, it really was a great chat. Have you got any nuggets for us, uh, Colin, anything that uh, came out of the chat? And, and uh, how did you meet this guy? I, I, I follow him on Twitter, I think. I've I seen him, he's um, hear him on radio. Uh, on Twitter in print I think he's very much uh, a, a media can we use the word haw he's a media haw he, he said he does <laughs> 20 things a week so he said 6 o'clock this morning was on Radio Kent talking about football finances so uh, the only nugget I've got is a nice restaurant, Colin, and uh, I did like those uh, potato omelets. Yeah, well, I do. I do like um, tapas, so and it, it suits suits me. But yeah, there was some interesting stuff today. So um, uh, yeah, I know Kieran through Twitter, and we've talked about football finance stuff, and we've done some stuff for each other. And uh, it was the first time I'd actually met him face to face. And uh, yeah, we talked through a number of things, like is financial fair play the right mechanism for regulating football finances? And we decided no, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, it, it's net spend and meaningful as a measure no it isn't um so so yeah it was a good um it was a good chat and, and ray will be putting it out hopefully on his um channel yeah i, I just I, if i hadn't wasted my uh, afternoon and early evening in liverpool i'd have got it at least i think i might split it up because it might be an hour's worth might be a little bit much for normal folk to take maybe the accountants will it will salivate and enjoy it so i might split it up into three parts into three um, distinct sections but some in, there was some interesting stuff talking about about, briefly about Bolton and Bury and yep. uh, why FFP has not helped them and why it's 
it is a bit of a waste of time because in, 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 it's not protected them at all. Yeah, some off-the-record stuff, obviously, we can't uh, share. Um, but it was, uh, I think, a, a very interesting talk, talking about gambling and betting companies in football and the uh, you know problems that uh, that can have, people just taking the money. Whether you're for or against it, you can argue for morality or not, but thing that people are just taking the money for sponsorship. Uh, so that was it's a lot of interesting points. Well, Colin, this 125, years and uh, there was an evening that you went to and as you told us in the last pod only the very very select get to go to it so tell us about that <laughs> well it was actually quite interesting not what I imagined it was the uh, launch event for the 125th anniversary celebrations and of course we played our first match August 1894 so just coming up to 125 years I thought it would be you know a, a cast of uh, they invited 125 people so I thought it'd be like a cast of uh, superstars you know the Colin Bells and the Franny Lees and uh, uh, John Wardle and uh, Calderon Alma Barrack and yeah, but actually it was it was mainly ordinary fans, which was quite nice actually because it was a bit a bit nerve wracking if you you know if you all the if everyone there is a celebrity and they all know each other and they're all mixed in the same circles and you're a bit the outsider. So the club had invited a load of people who have you know put some work into helping out City fans. So obviously there were a lot of supporters club people there that that uh, some of whom I knew. Um, and you were there representing was, both from the blue, were you, Colin? <laughs> yeah, of course. Yes, yes, I've got that, got that in mind. And King of the Kipak. Uh, some people there'd been a competition to invite other people, so, so it was quite um, it was quite funny actually because I stood in the queue to go in, and I was quite smartly dressed, and this said smart casual, and I was probably more on the certainly on the smart side. And there was a chap stood behind me in the queue who was also similarly suited. I just had a quick glance at him and didn't. Uh, I was just sorting out some some kind of uh, WhatsApp stuff with the city matters. Oh, and let, let me guess, let me guess. He said, um, "Could you get me two glasses of wine, please?" <laughs> <laughs> no, so this is in the queue to go in, so we're outside. I saw him pull out a piece of paper and he put his phone uh, and he asked for Elliot Ward. And Elliot's one of the comms team who we deal with regularly at City Matters. Uh, and then I heard him say, oh, Elliot, this is uh, Sir Richard Lease. So it was the kind of leader of leader of Manchester City Council who was stood in the queue behind me. He got Elliot to come out and give him VIP, get him in, uh, you know, a bit bit quicker. And I could have pulled rank and said, oh, Elliot, you know, I'll go, I'll go in with you as well. But I stuck with the common people. So, so yeah, great. He walk, walked in, and there was uh, Brian Marwood, uh, Jolien Lescott, Micah Richards, Mike Summerby, and Tony Book were there. I had a good chat to Tommy Booth, who it turned out used to be a neighbour of mine for many years. So um, I didn't didn't even realise. I, I often used to talk to his well, his, his late wife, not realising who she was. Yeah, it was quite. Uh, uh, Paul Dickov was there. So yeah, it was quite. Um, it was quite a nice evening, and uh, uh, food and drink laid on, and uh, just a good saw quite a few people I knew. And, you know, it was nice to have a, a chat to people. And uh, of course, they unveiled that commemorative kit. kit yeah. Uh, so uh, I wonder will will Ray be one of the lucky few, the lucky one thousand eight hundred and ninety-four who get that? I don't think so. Well, it, well, well the, it's limited edition of one thousand eight hundred and ninety-four <laughs> numbered uh, ones, numbered shirts, and then you've got for the rest yeah. of us shirts will Correct. be available. So yeah. uh, I will put it out there. Uh, I forgot to mention it today, Colin. If, if you get a chance, Colin, because <laughs> I don't know how it's going to be done whether it's first come first serve on the internet how it's well, going to it work it says you can register your interest I've done that citizen. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've, I've, done, done, I've that. done that too Colin but we could do with you putting in a word in if you can you know what I could manage I could get rid of all 1,894 shirts at the moment and uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, the thing is, I actually talked to this about Kieran on on the way home, and uh, I said it's 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 a very sneaky way for City to get a fourth kit. So I don't know how this kit is being sold. Is it being? It's so it's not. I suspect the commemorative ones, the limited edition. I don't think they'll go through the plumb shop. I have no idea. But it's a sneaky way to get a fourth kit out there. I said if it's ten thousand shirts available, they'll sell ten thousand shirts because everybody I've spoken to absolutely adores these shirts. Oh yeah. I mean, the only thing we said at the time was that it was a bit odd that the badge was on the side and not central. But you know, talking to someone there and, and, and saying you know less is in terms of the shirt, less is more. Just a simple plain blue shirt with the white collar and the badge. And, you know, you see all these fancy. You know, you see the third kit. And the third kit is not as bad as it perhaps comes over to the, on, on the pictures. But this nice, simple, plain city kit, sky blue. The reaction to it was phenomenal. Della. David Silva looked great in that, didn't he? And I think it was quite fitting, Ray, that he was the player chosen to model it, wasn't he? Perfect. He's our current longest-serving player. Obviously, the most senior in status. What is won in the game? Guys, there is there with two European championships or two Euros, uh, World Cup. He's you know he's a fabulous representative of City, uh, our new captain. And such a humble guy. Is such he a... our only World Cup winner, actually, Ray? What, Ilke Gundogan? Yeah, okay, yeah. Cool. Oh, ben oh. Mendy, sorry. I do Mendy, Mendy. Yeah. Benjamin Mendy. That's true, that's true. But anyway, guys, I just saw a nice tweet on Twitter from Brazilian legend Rivaldo. You might remember him for uh, that fantastic duping of the referee in the World Cup. And I think it was... He got... The funny thing is, Rivaldo, I only remember him for two things. One was that... Something he should have been banned for for six months, that duping of the ref, when, he, when the ball hit him in his knee and he put his hands in his yeah, face and got the other guy's head off. And didn't he score an overhead kick from the edge of the box with his left foot in the last minute of a game to win the league or something in Spain? Incredible. He's an incredible talent, but a dirty cheat as well. But he, anyway, he was on Twitter and he was talking about Gabriel Jesus. And he says, Gabriel Jesus is full of confidence after a successful Copa America for Brazil. And he is looking forward to regaining his place in the Manchester City first team. And I'm thinking, regaining his place in the Manchester City first team? Did he, I mean, apart from his first few months at City, I don't think that that place was ever his own. But anyway, guys, well, all of the guys are back. Band is back together. Aguero, uh, Jesus, Ederson, Fernandinho, Domendi, Mares. Even uh, Mares is back. I'm just wondering, uh, Colin, do you see any of those players playing against Liverpool in the Community Shield? I don't see them starting, but maybe, you know, three of them will come on for half an hour or 20 minutes or something. But, but talking about, I mean, talking about Gabriel Jesus... I'm sure we'll talk about Leroy uh, Sane in a minute, but you know people talk about who replaces Sane. But Gabriel Jesus has played on the on the left side of the front line, hasn't he? And you know his performance in the cup final was absolutely fantastic. And certainly that that third goal, I think, challenged for a number of headers yeah. after I think Laporte had, had put it clear. And Aguero would not have done that with great respect to Sergio, but Sergio would not have been in that position. And and I think swings and roundabouts really, and they both offer us something great. But Sergio, of course, is a clinical finisher maybe uh, Gabriel Jesus is not quite in that league yet but he gives us something in terms of that kind of fight for the ball and, and his mobility which maybe Sergio um, doesn't have quite so you know I could see him starting perhaps on the left side of, of Sergio yeah. if, if Sané does go and it's certainly not a given yet is it we've got a lot of options there haven't we Mike yeah, we've got, yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah, we've got Phil Foden could do that job I'm not sure about that but um, I think it, you know Aguero you know, Mares could Aguero, do it. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mara, Sterling, Bernardo. I don't all... want them to do it for a long extended no. period of time. Odd game or, or two here and there. Mm-hmm. But Ray, it's very interesting because um, Pep talked about the fact that uh, before the uh, ending of transfer window on Thursday... He made some intriguing comments, uh, Ray, and he said there could be some incomings and outgoings, um, you know, and then he referred to this uh, mysterious one-and-a-half signings. I'm just wondering what, what half-signing means. Does that mean, um, Dani- does he maybe, is he referring to Danilo out, Cancelo in? I mean, what does half-signing mean? I don't know. I mean, there was there was a player that I was talking about last week, Almada, and I thought he might be the half-signing because he was about five foot seven tall, uh-huh. and he weighed about 62 kilograms, which is it's next to nothing. That I don't know what a half signing is. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to work it out. Obviously, it's cryptic. Does it mean a loan signing? I just well, don't know. I mean, is it, someone is coming it, in and, and then going out on loan, a younger player, or I think that's what I, I tend, tend to feel that we, I, I think we'll make one or two more young player signings. Um, I, think that, the- I think that could be it, Ray. Maybe Almada, you know, the wonder kid. Yeah. Uh, and signing him and maybe sending him out on loan is not is a, not really a full signing. Well, that that was a story that we'd get him and send him out to was it Sporting on loan for two years. But apparently, the news I read a few days ago in the Portuguese press was that City had bid, I think, 12 million and um, the club in Argentina, Valle Sarsfield, wanted 16, I believe. And City said, we're not paying any more uh, than 12. We'll, we'll see if that develops into anything, but that's the guy who's only 5 foot 7 tall, weighs 62 kilograms. He's a half player. And it's interesting when you, you mentioned Cancelo, because it came out in the in the Daily Telegraph last night, and the Daily Telegraph, were, there was no source, they didn't talk about sources, there was none of this allegedly. They were talking, most of the stuff they were talking about was Leroy Sane, and they were talking as if it, as if it was fact. And, and other papers, I think, sorry, in the Guardian as well today, about the, the Leroy Sane Price and and how much City wanted and it as I said they were talking as if it was fact and they were talking about Cancelo as well um, and saying that Juve uh, Juventus have come back to the table after refusing City's uh, offer of Danilo plus cash for Cancelo and they wanted 60 million euros up front they didn't want Danilo but I, I don't know if Juventus have not looked at who's coming and who's gone but you've got to think well they got Ronaldo last season that must have cost them a pretty penny. They got, who did they get this season? They got two big players, Mathis de Ligt this season. Now, Mathis de Ligt has cost them about 65 million. Mina Riola would have got at least 15 or 20 million as well. His wages are allegedly 300,000 a week. So that's about 15 million a year. And the amortization on the agent's fee and the, the, the transfer fee, that comes to about 26 million in total. That's a fair bit of money. I'd be interested in Lukaku or whoever. If they're buying other players as well, it becomes very difficult to pay for these uh, through the profit and loss account every year for FFP purposes. So it could be that they thought they could play hardball with City over Danilo and Cancelo and now maybe they've come back to the table a week before the transfer window closes because who else is going to buy Cancelo from them? Nobody, I, I suspect, and certainly not pay that sort but of money. Ray, here's my question. Why would Juventus want to sell Cancelo? Because I know, yes, I know, of course, that you're not to look at YouTube when you're assessing a player. I mean, uh, Colin told us all, you, I think actually you told us 
about the, the folly of doing that in the in the case of Joe. But uh, by all accounts, Cancelo is every bit the equal of Kyle Walker with a better cross on him. And I'm just wondering, Ray, and, and also Colin, why would Juventus uh, want to sell Cancelo, especially since he's that good and, and Pep obviously, you know, is very interested in him? Well, well I mean, uh, one reason, as Ray alluded to, could be money. They need to get some money back in. Uh, and one of the things we talked about with Kieran today, of course, was about net spend. But it, you, know, you, you can buy a player on a free, but you'll pay a signing on fee. Uh, and generally, you'll pay higher wages than you would if you paid cash to the club you got them from. So just because a player comes as a free doesn't mean there's no cost associated with that player. Uh, Ronaldo will be on sky-high wages, you would imagine. Aaron Ramsey's also gone there, hasn't he? And uh, on a bad week. Yeah, so um, it could be that they need... Uh, one of the reasons why they could be insisted on ca- cash up front rather than the player swap is because they need the cash. I don't know what the state of their squad, but of course it may be that someone su- they have to get before they can get someone in. So uh, t- to meet their 17 kind of foreign or free player quota. So, yeah, um, some, some people had suggested that, that there were just doubts about his defensive ability, but of course I think Ray has pointed out a number of times on his channel that um, the way City play, they value... Uh, fullbacks attacking qualities as much if not more probably more than his offensive qualities but um, well, I was going to say one of the reasons that I thought they might want to sell him and I'm not going to go too much into the finances on this but they bought him for 40 million euros okay it was only one season ago so if they sell him and he was on a five-year contract, so amortization wise, let's knock off eight million. So in the book, his net book value will be 32 million quid. Now if they sell him for 60 million quid to City, in their accounts, they'll have a profit of 28 million pounds. Now that's a very nice thing to put in your profit loss account if you're struggling to meet FFP. It's a very nice thing to put in. And it's possible that they're reluctantly coming back to City with, about the Danilo thing because yes, it would have been great for them to get 28 million in the profit and loss account as a as a profit to obviously move away from losses. But this way, they can still get something in the books, and maybe it won't be as much as 28 because they're going to have to buy Danilo and pay his wages and amortize him. But it's going to be cheaper. So the, I'm just going to pick a number, and it might be worth an extra 15 million profit on Scout as a profit. So financially, that could be another reason why you know they've got to make ends meet for financial fair play. And if you're sailing close to the wind at some point, you can't you know you can't play poker with City for too long. If if Juventus really need a little bit of extra money for financial fair play purposes then this could be the way to do it. But we, we've got the whip hand in that deal because, as Ray said, we're not desperate for the cash. It seems to be Juventus are. And Danilo, for me, is a perfectly adequate... Uh, you know, I won't feel a great sense of disappointment if Danilo's with us another season. Uh, you know, he, he does a useful job uh, all the way across the back. I've probably just figured out why it is that they might let Cancelo go because, of course, I think their first choice right back is Alexandro, a player who was much in demand a couple of seasons ago. But um, yeah, he's their first choice so they've got a couple of kids actually or younger players who are also in that position so maybe that's but they've why. paid a lot of money for him that's, that's why it's a bit odd spent 40 million on him um, but if you can sell him for 60 after one season and he's a backup then maybe they look at that and say we can make some good money easy money off, off the back of City uh, and why not um, as Colin said I mean Cristiano Ronaldo must be a, an absolute shed load of money I have no idea what he's on but I'd be surprised if he's not on more you know, 600 grand a week or more. 
Well, guys, listen, <clears throat> let's just move on to the whole Leroy Sané situation. And uh, one of the things I, I just wanted to, to talk about was something that struck me. We had, of course, Niko Kovac coming out and issuing a, a groveling um, apology after instructed to do so by Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Now, I don't know if it struck you at the time, but I just thought that's unbelievable hypocrisy because Rummenigge, Rummenigge, Colin, was guilty of doing the same thing. So what's he doing criticizing his coach when he did the same thing? Well, uh, maybe we've had a quiet word or, or lawyers have had a quiet word. Um, uh, you know, uh, maybe Bayern have decided that even they're getting a bit too blatant in their approaches. But again, it, it's a deal where we've got the whip hand because we aren't going to like... I think we said in the last pod, but we're not a club that lets its big players go normally. I mean, the last big transfer we did was Sean Wright Phillips back in 2005. Um, I wouldn't class... Um, Kelechi was probably our biggest fee, but you wouldn't say Kelechi was our kind of... Um, we were forced to let one of our big players go. Yeah, so, so, I, I, so, I, think, I think that explains why they did it. Uh, um, that's well, not my question. The question is, doesn't Rummenigge realise that he's making himself look a fool? Because he was, the, before all of the players, and, and in the middle of all of the, the roster of players, talking about Leroy, he weighed in as well and talked about... Yeah, well, um, yeah, yeah. You know. yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Bayern have, have done it directly, they've done it indirectly through the media contacts. Um, yeah, yeah, if, if we couldn't find them guilty of tapping up for the amount of tapping up they have done in public uh, you know first hand and second hand then uh, you, you may as well forget about the tapping up look rules because um, they've been as blatant as anyone ha- ever has been about tapping up a player well I, I believe he had no choice to, uh, about this uh, and this whole episode my understanding is that City sent them a letter sent them by in a letter um, I obviously don't know the contents of that letter uh, but my, that was my understanding from something I read yesterday that City sent them a letter and very quickly uh, Nika Kovac apologised uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge after making his own comments earlier uh, in, in the piece over the summer has uh, criticised Nika Kovac it is a a big slap in the face for, for Bayern to have to do this. Yep. But the funny thing is now, now I, I did a piece on uh, Leroy Sane today, now that Bayern can't, Bayern players, uh, and I've not heard anybody, any of the Bayern players in the last two or three days say anything, now that Nico Kovac can't say anything, now that Karl-Heinz Rummenigge can't say anything, and now that that convicted criminal tax fraudster uh, Uli Hoeneß can't say anything, you've got Bild came out a couple of nights ago and said, this is a done deal. So now it's gone back to the papers. Nothing from the club, but it's Bill come out and said something, a deal is done, and Bayern had to come out and say, no, that's not true. What you've read about Leroy signing agree, that's not true. And you had Kicker magazine, uh, I guess it's the same as Shoot in the UK, let's say, uh, football magazine in Germany. They came out and said the deal is done. They give numbers, and it's very similar to those Italian journalists who talked about Pep going to Juventus. Um, and they give dates, they give uh, um, contract details, and they said it's been agreed and it's been signed. 100 million euros, five-year contract, 20 million a season. You know, they're very, they've got a lot of balls to come out with all this and actually quote numbers. And so, as I said, it's it's moved. It's, it seems like it's moved away from the Bayern, Bayern Munich as a club, and now it's. Uh, probably they've leaked some stuff or they've got some friendly journalists can't do it themselves because City said hey that's enough of that yeah uh, and so they've had to find another way to keep this story going to keep you know it out there and, and to keep that 
that kind of tapping up it's still going on but I think Pep came out in his conference I've got to say this and said he's not asked to leave and until he has to leave he's our player he's my player so I think that's the way it's going to be um if Leroy Sani doesn't ask to leave, he won't be going anywhere. And he's going to have to come and ask to leave. And I think it's a difficult situation for him as well. If he asks to leave and say, yeah, you can go, it, Bayern are going to have to pay 150 million euros. And then Bayern say, well, we either can't afford that or we don't want to pay it. What happens to Leroy Sani? It's Bayern to really confirm that they're going to pay the money that's required because he doesn't want to embarrass himself by asking for a transfer and they're not going. Colin, this is an absolute PR disaster for uh, Bayern Munich if Leroy does not... Uh, uh, go to Bayern because I mean it was a very very clear and orchestrated attempt to unsettle the player by continually having uh, members of their squad talk about the prospects of Leroy in their team now of course Bayern have a, an easy defence they can say well we didn't encourage the players to talk about Leroy it was the journalists asking the players about Leroy but the way that they've gone about this and we all as I said before Rummenigge was complicit and culpable in this regard himself so I was very surprised that he didn't issue an apology himself. But anyway, this is going to backfire enormously. If we start the season and um, we get to the end of the European transfer window, which is a little bit uh, later, I think, Colin, this is going to be egg all over their faces. They've been spending basically the whole summer tapping up Leroy through the media. And if he doesn't go, now I'm not saying that he necessarily will sign a new contract for City just yet, but this is going to make them look like chumps, isn't it? Uh, well, yeah, I say we've got the whip hand in this because we um, we hold the cards. Um, th- th- there was an interesting um, exchange on Twitter tonight uh, involving Sam Lee. Uh, apparently, the German paper Bild had said, Sam Lee had said to them that uh, City would sell but it would cost Bayern 150 million euros and Leroy would have to say he wants to leave. And Sam angrily denied he said anything like that. Uh, and there was another uh, story, um, not sure, was it from Stuart Brennan, that, that um, Pep had said that uh, Chiki Bagiristan had said to him a, a few weeks ago that the, uh, Leroy signing his contract extension w- was close and, and suddenly it all yeah. seems to have gone quiet. So um, I mean, the, the one person who, who seems to have kept quiet in all this is Leroy. Uh, so, so we don't really know what, what he wants. There's, there's a story going around that he's very petulant and that he had a run-in with um, uh, Phil Foden last season and, the, and there have been incidents like that. How true that is, I do not know. But... Um, I think we've all seen that, that he does his attitude is not right and, and, and if there's one thing that Pep won't put up with it's a player whose attitude is not right but but there's a very steely determination at City and, and, and Ilkay Gundogan's in the same position where he's moving into the last year of his contract and he hasn't signed uh, a new one or an extension though, though I think it's believed that he will sign at least a 12 month extension because he's been down this path before um, but, but City aren't um, prepared to be a soft touch anymore so they, they will hang on to players. Um, I mean, Gundogan, you wouldn't get much for anyway. I mean, there's no. Um, if, if we were selling him, what you know, I'm not sure what we'd get in, in the last year of his contract. But Leroy is obviously a hot property. Um, we don't want to sell him. Uh, we, we can hang on to him. Uh, we, we can set a price so high that Bayern have to walk away. And, and they will look fully. Still, we don't know which way it's going to go. I, I, from what I've seen, it's maybe 60-40 that Leroy is still with us uh, after the transfer window closes. But but. We just don't know, and uh, the, the question is, what will his attitude be? But City's attitude will be: if you're not prepared to put the work in, you won't get the games. As as ha- 
happened to him last season. Well, I'm just so, going you know, to bring in Ray at this point and uh, ask, yeah. ask Ray for his gut instinct on what's going on. Now, <laughs> let, 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 listen to this, uh, Ray. Now, the thing is, when, when you think about it, th- this is the, uh, the prospect of Leroy uh, leaving Guardiola and going to work for Kovac. Now, th- this is just, you know, night and day. It just reminds me of that line from, from Hamlet, where, where he um, compared his dead father to his mother's new husband and, and said, this is like Hyperion compared with a satyr. I'm just giving you my literary knowledge. Uh, <laughs> there, guys. But um, the thing is, yeah, I, I did an English lit degree. But anyway, um, from Leroy's point of view, Ray, g- give me your gut instinct. What do you think is at the heart of his reluctance to sign a new contract or, or to open his mouth I'll, I'll just say the only Hamlet I ever knew was those uh, cigar adverts on uh, on TV when we were kids well guys you've got your accountancy I've got my literature <laughs> yeah. the thing is with Leroy what's, what's bugging him he, he doesn't have to say anything he can keep his own counsel I think he's quite a private guy uh, maybe keeping himself to himself so he doesn't need to say anything at all why he hasn't signed a contract we don't know yeah that's why we, I'm asking have, you for your gut instinct Ray I just, just an opinion. I instinct. See, some days I feel good, some days I don't. Today I saw pictures of Leroy smiling in training, so I felt good. But then he's not come out and denounced it. And the, the, but the fact that Pep said, well, a month ago we were close, and now we're not, that worries me. So it, it just depends, you know, on on the day. One day I feel good about it. Yeah, he's going to stay. We did all this charm offensive. He was a face of Puma for us. He played a lot on the tour. If he, we. If we thought he was, I mean, it's a funny thing. If we thought he was going, he wouldn't have done all that work with Puma. He wouldn't have been the face of the new kits. He wouldn't have played so much on tour. But maybe that was at the time that we thought he was about to sign the contract. So we, because yeah, we think he's going to sign. Now he's not going to sign. It's, I think we're going to find out on Sunday possibly. If he doesn't well, play, if he doesn't start, maybe that's your answer. Well, Colin, I couldn't, I couldn't get an answer out of Ray there. He couldn't give me his gut instinct. But if you had to guess, this is what I'm trying to drag out of Ray. I will get it out of him. Don't worry. If you had to sort of make a guess at what, is this just clever contract negotiations and being very canny and shrewd by Leroy? Do you think he's just genuinely confused? Because we know that he doesn't really want to go there. He's, I mean, it's been well reported that he doesn't want to go back to Germany because the media focus on him and his private life and everything would be far more intense. What is your gut instinct, Colin? Well, I think I've said this, said this in the last part. I think it's about negotiation because it, it, it's unusual in this scenario to see... Uh, if you, you think back to the Virgil van Dijk saga at Southampton when he basically went on strike. Uh, there's been no... Um, indications from Leroy that that he's involved in this so part of me my good instinct thinks it's a negotiation tactic to get a little bit more to get more out of City the, the stories are that his mother and his his partner are kind of driving him in different directions and how true that is I don't know but um I don't know. It's hard for me to put myself in in someone like Leroy's position. But when you're playing for someone like Pepper, a team like City, where we are now, you you've got to think there are more important things than a, a you know a few hundred quid a week or whatever the arguments about. It's about you develop you your development as a player uh, and the things you win as, a, as as part of a successful team. If that's not his motivation, then I'm quite happy for him to go. Yeah, but, yeah, I agree. But, but Ray, I mean, we all had bosses or we had professors that. Uh, that we hated but that got the best out of us but the thing is that you're I mean can he seriously think that the person to get the best out of him is Niko Kovac rather than Guardiola even if he he does have disagreements and barnies with them all the time if he's he's objective enough to think that 
he'll get better, you know, Pep will get the best out of him rather than Niko Kovac. But Pep didn't play much for the last six months of the season, five or six months. That's probably what's going to prey more on his mind. And, you know, sometimes would you think, you would you like to be a bit part player for the best coach in the world? Or would you like to start... 90% of your games for a slightly lower level for a lot more money. Look, money-wise, I think what City are offering him is over £10 million a year, okay? £10 million a season. A five-year contract, that's £50 million quid. Forget about the tax for the minute. It's 50, that's more than enough to set him up for life. Now, if Bayern come and offer him double that, 50 million over five years or 100 million over five. You know, how many cars can you drive at once? How many big houses can you have? How many yachts? You know, the, the, you get to a stage with money and I'm not there yet where having extra money doesn't really mean anything. You know, if you're a multi-billionaire, what does having an extra few billion what difference does it make? It doesn't. So I, I don't think it's, it shouldn't be the money. But sometimes people have got egos as well and they just want to be earning the most. But I don't think he, if he's going to look at it and say, well, Pep is the best coach in the world, but he'll look at it and say, well, he's not playing me and I'm not it's, happy. It, it's interesting, Ray. I mean, I'm going to throw in a few boxing analogies here. Isn't it interesting that one of our favourites, Prince Nassim Hamed, when he was under Brendan Ingle, who uh, d- didn't suffer fools gladly and didn't tell him what he liked to hear, he was absolutely sensational. But as soon as he moved away, got a new coach. He started running the training camps by himself and doing things. And then he got, as a result of that, his one and only loss and subsequently the end of his career because his un- undefeated record was everything to him. I'm thinking also about Rocky 3 when you when you see that movie and you see Stallone and he's in all of the expensive suits and he's in the expensive house with his wife and the kid is riding around in a robot and um, the manager, when he meets his manager for another tilt at this uh, upcoming clubber lang you know the manager says this guy will beat you into oblivion the way you are now and that's just uh, what I think would happen to Leroy if he just left Guardiola and went you know Kovac has been such a cheerleader for Leroy saying you know how great he is and everything you don't need people in your life to tell you how great you are you need them to to fix you don't you but some people do this is why everybody's different some people need the rocket up the backside some people need an arm around them as Sam Allardyce okay he might not be a great tactical coach Coach, you could argue it in an attacking sense but he used to talk about this, the mental side and the psychology and he said you know you can't kick basically I think you, to paraphrase you can't kick somebody up the backside who needs an arm around them because it just won't work so you've got to treat people differently and it just might be that Pep, Pep won't treat people that differently I think you know he, he said it in that in the Amazon Prime a video all or nothing. Um, he said when Leroy was substituted, it was at the Wigan game, and he said, change your face. So he wasn't happy that Leroy was unhappy that he was being substituted because of Delft's um, uh, being, sent, being sent off. So he felt that he wasn't playing for the team. But it's natural to be disappointed. It's natural. Um, but as I said, some people, they need that cuddle, they need that arm around them, they need to be told they're brilliant uh, and need to feel it. And if Pep's treating everybody the same way, some people won't respond to that. Some people will. Well, presumably he's got his um, his team of guys uh, underneath him to do the, the cuddling. But uh, anyway, Colin, I guess we have to move on. We've got this community shield and the community shield for any of our foreign listeners who don't know, it's kind of pretty much like what a lot of countries will call the Super Cup and it is contested between the 
champions and the FA Cup winners. Now, surely, Colin, City should be playing City EDS, shouldn't they? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they should just give us the trophy. I think I've said this before. Give us the shield and let Liverpool and Watford play each other. You know, you know raise some money for charity or whatever they do. We, I think even Klopp was saying that the game shouldn't be played or something. I can't remember what his reasoning Colin, was. Colin, did you see that BBC article where it said that Liverpool are in line for seven trophies? And it was talking about the fact that they're going to play in the uh, in the Community Shield, and then they've got the World Club Cup, and then they've got something else, and the Super Cup. And guys, this was so hilarious because if you're going to pick a team that could be in line to win every competition that they're involved in, and you've got a team that did four of them last season, why would you pick Liverpool as the the team that you think Colin is most likely to do that? I mean, the BBC, for goodness' sake, what is well, this? I, I didn't read the article, but it was. Brought to my attention by one of my fellow City Matters members and uh, by our WhatsApp group. You know, it, it's all about clickbait. Perhaps when we finish this call, I'll, I'll tell you about, about something that, that happened on Wednesday night. But um, it, it's all about clickbait. And uh, it, it's sad to see the BBC descend to that level. But they have done. They make no bones about having descended to the level of, uh, you know, getting hits and clicks on stories. And uh, Colin, well, let me bail you out and, um, and just say that, I, I you know, obviously being in Korea, I, I, I'm not at, at the Etihad as often as I would like. But there were pictures put up of a new paint job so I, I want to know is your is your seat now blue or has it changed to white because apparently they've done a paint job depicting the, the huge name of City at one end and and uh, tell us about that if you know something uh, the lo- uh, on the um, east stand down all three levels there's a big um, white city Puma logo on either the north or south stand and is it Etihad on, on one of the on the other one my, so my your, seat has is, your seat changed colour my seat hasn't changed colour but the seats at the other end of the row on the block I'm on have done. I know a couple Ray, of people who sit in those seats, so Ray is up at, I think Ray is up in the gods. Ray, is your seat changed colour? I have no idea. I've not looked for <laughs> the seat in the new livery uh, that's that's there on the seats. I've not looked for mine. You know, um, I was there on a Wednesday night meeting somebody at the ground and picking up. Uh, I bought myself one of the kits, well, one of the shirts. I'm I'm not a John Terry who will wear a shirt, uh, shorts, and socks, but just a shirt. So um, not been in, obviously inside. Um, yes, he had not, not been inside the Etihad yet. Um, but I'll just wait for the first home game of the season to see what colour my seat is. But to be honest, I don't sit in it much. I mean, you know, we spend so much time cheering on the boys and uh, watching the exciting football and standing because everybody else is standing. And, you know, I, I don't think the, the colour of the seat matters that yes. much. As long as it's red, that's all that matters. I can confirm. Listen, that seat could be pink or green or gold and Ray would, would notice. I've actually seen him. Yeah, I, I, may, I, I may have got you confused with someone else who was sitting beside I us. But... It because I, I, <laughs> I, actually after that volley of agricultural language when my son was there, my son didn't tend to go too much after that. I think the the language was was too much, and it's funny, but. It's, it's, it's very funny when it when I was taken to games by my dad when I was about seven or eight years old before I formed an interest in City he took us to uh, games uh, our local team is called Larn who have just been promoted to the Northern Irish uh, Premier Division they've also got um, a very uh, wealthy new owner and has caused um, all of the sort of controversy that you could imagine but um, my goodness when we were sat there you would hear incredible language coming out at the players from the stand there was one particular day I'll never forget 
forget, I think I might have mentioned this on a very, very early pod on Bolt from the Blue, but a, a ball was punted into our penalty area and one of our central defenders went up to head the ball clear, but it came off the back of his head and went, to, went out for a corner and some wag from the crowd yelled out, Hey, Spears, you've got a head on you like a 50p piece, you... And I, I looked around and it was my dad. <laughs> so, oh my, uh, uh, so I can, I can totally understand your son's feelings when he hears language like that. But anyway, guys, let's go on. We've got a few items of news just to finish off with. Now, um, Colin, Harry Maguire to Manchester United for 85 m- 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 million. That's incredible. If that guy is worth more than 40 million, I am a monkey's uncle. What do you think, Colin? Uh, I don't think you're a monkey's uncle. Um, I thought one or two other names for you, but definitely not a monkey's <laughs> uncle. Thanks, mate. Um, Thanks, mate. But yeah, well, it, you know, we we talked about about Leroy and our City holding the whip hand. Um, United were were taken to the cleaners on that because you know it, it didn't take MI6 to work out that they were pretty desperate for a decent centre back. So uh, of course now Leicester they've got now have, they've got seven centre backs. Yeah, I mean, so, so you know, Leicester could virtually name the price for Maguire, knowing that um, a United were pretty desperate, and, and b Edward Wood is no Daniel Levy. So yeah, they've got they've got a decent centre back. I don't think he's worth eighty five million. And the one interesting thing is that I mean, you look at someone like Virgil Van Dijk, who's seventy five million now. Now he's not the most expensive defender. But, but, but what helped him last season? Obviously he had a good season. Liverpool were very solid defensively. Uh, but, but what helped him was he had a midfield in front of him which protected him. So, so um, he's not getting expo- exposed to as much kind of attacking players coming at him as perhaps other players might be. Now, I don't think Maguire's going to have that at United. I think Maguire is going to be under pressure as a centre-half. And um, I think at Leicester as well. I mean, Leicester had quite a, a decent defensive midfield. And I think Maguire is going to be very much more exposed in the United back four than he was in the Leicester back four. So it'd be interesting to see how he copes with that because that can be the difference between a player having a, a, you know, a great season and the player being found out. Ray, 85 million for Slabhead. Daylight robbery? Yeah, but as Colin has already alluded to, it, United were in a really tough spot because, uh, let's be honest, they're rubbish. Oh. Really rubbish. Tight spot. Oh. Um, yeah, a tight spot. And and the thing is, they wanted him. They, it, it, he was going to go there. And the fact that, uh, I think Eric Bailly, not the best uh, defender in the world, I think the fact that he got injured as well, he's out yeah. for five months, that kind of forced United's hands. They were going to pay the big money. There was no question about that. The, the feeling is there. That's the way they do business. And uh, it's a stupid way to do business by leaving it so late. You know, I think it was Simon Jordan said, or I can't remember who it was, that if it wasn't Simon, said they should do, United should have just gone in at the start of the transfer window. They needed him. They should have said to Leicester, here's 50 million quid. We want Harry Maguire. Start the negotiation at 50 million quid. Or go and get something like Toby Alderweireld. Or go and get someone like Nathan Ake. But United want, uh, they wouldn't get Nathan Ake because he's not, let's say, the finished article. They're thinking Harry Maguire is. But they didn't. And they, they let the price get high before they really pushed it. And now it's at a ridiculous level. He's not an £85 million centre-back. I think part of the reason is where the market is. I mean, he was 17 million two years ago. Has he really increased from 17 million to 85 in two years? I no, doubt United, United need Hal. I've forgotten about Bailly. And the other thing, of course, that, that kind of defines United's transfer strategy is they want to go for a name rather than value. So, so Maguire is obviously an established international, gets them a bit of attention, perhaps increase their, you know, he's not the sort of player to excite. But Colin, uh, Colin, Colin, I've got a quick question for you. I mean, Ray mentioned it, that he was valued at 17 million. Just to 
a relatively short time ago. Do you think it was that picture where he was leaning with his elbow <laughs> over the fence, like Del Boy and Only Fools and Horses, that that was really responsible for, for that huge shift in price? But, well, well, I think United have seen this and seen how they could market this picture. Uh, <laughs> and we all know what United are like about, you know, commercial opportunities. So I, th- I think they've probably paid £35 million for Maguire and £50 million for the picture. Uh, <laughs> well, guys, uh, let's move over to Ray. We're, we're coming to the end, guys, but we've still got a few things to talk about. Uh, Ray, the FIFA top 10 list of players. And, you know, there's no Bernardo Silva in there. What on earth is that all about? I mean, the only surprise about that was the fact that Paul Pogba wasn't in it. Well, look, it's, uh, it's a lot of rubbish. I mean, you, you, we all know it. We all know it's rubbish. Look, someone said Harry Kane's there. Now, I mean, you'll have to, I, I don't know. I don't follow this FIFA player of whatever. Is it referring to the 18-19 season? Does it include the World Cup? Because if it doesn't include the World Cup, what on earth is Harry Kane doing there? Some wag wrote to me, he said, Harry Kane's achievements last season was getting married. That's it. Um, and, and we got Bernardo Silva there. Where, well, Bernardo Silva was City's player of the season. He won all the domestic titles uh, available in, and he won the Na- Nations League as well. So there's not much else he could have won, really. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, something like uh, Love Island. Maybe that's the only thing Bernardo Silva mm-hmm. has won. Maybe that's what cost him. Strictly come dancing, yeah. Strictly come dancing. But, but, it, but it, is, it is ridiculous. And look, this FIFA thing, it's a lot of rubbish. FIFA want to get their fingers in as many pies as possible. For so many years, it's, it's for decades, it's been the Ballon d'Or done by Le Quai in the newspaper in France. And there's been no competition. And now, you know, UEFA and FIFA want to get their fingers in any financial pies that they cannot anything they want it just to be about them and and you know to relegate um the ballon d'or into, into a secondary prize I, I suspect if the boot was on the other foot let's say city won the champions league and liverpool won the domestic treble i can guarantee you not a single city player would have made the top 10 on that fifa list and you'd have still got three or four liverpool players maybe more so i just think look part of a small part of me is annoyed that we don't get the credit we deserve that centurion season is was amazing yeah what we achieved last season was amazing we don't get the credit we deserve but to be honest we know we know what's what's out there we know we're not going to get it uh, i'm more than happy for a little bit of me to be unhappy and the rest of me to be very very happy indeed with uh, we don't need plaudits from everybody all the time winning trophies is enough for me well colin someone who is a little bit unhappy or or should I use the word bother, is Pep, because apparently Klopp's been opening his big gob again and uh, has uh, indicted City along with um, Real Madrid and Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain for living in fantasy land with regard to inflating transfer fees and being able to buy who they want, when they want, as they want. And uh, this was put to Pep, and of course he said, yeah, it bothers me because it's just, you know, it's not true. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you catch that story? Yep, I did. Um... I mean, the the only time Klopp should open his mouth is when he's at the dentist. Um, (laughs) It it was nonsense, and uh, I I think it's definitely, from from Klopp's point of view, definitely deflection for Liverpool's lack of spending um, this summer. Uh, We were having this discussion with with, with Kieran uh, earlier about Liverpool, and uh, I I was looking at their 2018 account, which are the last published uh, available accounts till till the next one's come out sometime, either later in the year or early next year, and... um, in cash terms, they committed to um, spending 150 million, which would have been the summer of 2017, because it comes in the 2018 accounts, and that was just cash. And the creditors went up by 50 million. So we must assume that um, 
there were some payments on instalment. So it's a fair bet that um, they spent, that they committed to close to 200 million in the, in the 1718 season. Uh, the, the accounts also said that transactions that had taken place since the year end 2018, so over the summer before the 2018-19 season, um, amounted to uh, 181 million pounds net. So that again, that's 200 million pounds um, gross. So, so they're looking at spending four, having spent 400 million pound gross probably in the last two seasons. Now they generate uh, about 100 million pound a year cash. So, so let's assume they've got that to spend over two seasons so that's 200 million they made 100 million on uh, they got 100 million for Coutinho so that's 300 million so, so basically it leaves them short 100 million pound shorts um, so, and it's 100 million pound that they've kind of got to make back uh, in some way so uh, either by selling someone or by not buying people uh, and ensuring that the cash they generate kind of fills the gap that they've created by the expenditure that they've already committed to, if that makes sense. So um, basically, they've overcommitted by 100 million and need to kind of rein back on the spending. So you can see it in that context as deflection because we can't spend what we want. I think um, Pet made this point is... is we in turn are restricted by the money we bring in. Now we bring in slightly more, so, so we we generate probably about 150 million pounds cash per season. But we're it's a long time since we splash uh, cash that we don't have, and um, it, even we're paying in instalments, and we're 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 kind of um, pledging future TV money against facilities to, to pay cash for transfers. So so we certainly know that you know this this myth that we've got a bottomless pit of money is absolute nonsense, and clock no it's nonsense uh, and he's just trying to cover I suspect for his own club's lack of spending it is um, it is rubbish as, as Colin said you you might even say that it's verbal mishmash and that brings me on to my next point Ray I don't know if you've been following a Twitter account the name of Footy Mishmash by a guy called Alex Bennett and it's just been announced today that he has completed the Manchester City wall chart that apparently will be available in the city shop during the next uh, two weeks he's just made the the announcement. He says, there's been a few photos of Manchester City mishmash floating about since it was unveiled at the 125th anniversary launch. So here it is, eight months and approximately 15 hours in the making. And he says, large posters will be available through the club in the next couple of weeks. Absolutely fabulous, guys. This is a, a nice piece of uh, animated art depicting the stadium with all kinds of subtle references to city supporter groups as well as all the different players on the pitch. Finally, Paul Lake gets a look in here. And um, one thing I found uh, quite funny, uh, guys, was uh, we had uh, Victoria, you know, our Victoria, Chicago MCFC's Victoria. And uh, as soon as that came up, she said, I found Dennis the Bear, my nana who knitted him. <laughs> yeah. oh, I wonder what that, that was about. Yeah, uh, uh, He's included in this. And then um, her mom, of course, Etta, said, oh my gosh, I found him as well. I'm so thrilled. Nana would be over joy and uh, yeah maybe we'll and she she's also found the Chicago MCFC's flag in there too this guy Alex Bennett has has really gone into incredible uh, detail and the fact that a knitted bear I, I would love to hear this do you know anything about that Colin the the knitted Dennis the bear was he a feature at um, at Main Road or, or at the uh, no no I'm, I'm not sure I think it's something to do with um 
with Is it the family, Barbara? I, I mean, Bar- doesn't Barbara make knitted bears? You know, yeah, Barbara but I, uh, this I don't know. I, so I saw that and I wondered what it was about. But uh, Alex was at um, was at the do on Wednesday nights and he was interviewed on stage. And the um, he had the mishmash poster there, and uh, yeah, it was really it's really great piece of work. And he was talking about how he did it. Uh, and I think that's the like the uh, anniversary show. That's going to be another big seller. But well, yeah, guys, no, no, I've, I've no. We'll have to find out the the bear story. Yeah. And of course, um, you have uh, drinky poo sessions with those guys in the Etihad. So uh, all of the guys uh, who are friends of uh, Barbara and Etta will probably be able to tell you the answer to that particular riddle. We're just going to finish off with you, Colin, though, because one thing I was interested in, this is the last item, guys, is that uh, Rob D, who's one of our Twitter followers, just put up, I mean, these things happen all the time on Twitter, but um, he just put up a photograph, Colin, of Roger Hammer. And I remember him very, very well because he and Dave Bennett were two of our very few black players way back in the uh, 19, late 1970s and I discovered something that I didn't know. I mean, Roger Palmer was with City from 1977 to 1980. Then he, he went on to have a 14-year career with Oldham with 536 appearances and 157 goals. Now, my goodness, he, he was a player. I mean, that, we shouldn't have sold him. What do you think, Colin? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, it kind of parallels to a guy called Barney Daniels. And at that particular time, we had a lot of forward talent. Uh, and we're talking about Joe Royal, Brian Kidd, Mike Channon, Dennis Stewart. Um, and it was, um, you really had to be good to get a look in. And um, I, I guess it's a bit like today, isn't it? Where the academy players coming through have got to be at least as good as the players are trying to replace. But we've got one of the best teams in the world. So how the hell? You've got to be absolutely exceptional to even, like Phil Foden, to even stand half a chance of getting in the team. And that, that was, I think, a similar situation back in those days where we had such a wealth of talent, particularly up front. But um, even someone as good as Roger Palmer, Roger was obviously, you know, 14 years for Oldham, as you say, 536 appearances, 157 goals. That's a goal every four, less than every four games. But he wasn't going to displace the guys who were ahead of him. And, and um, it's a shame because he was a very talented player. Yeah, let's just stretch Ray's memory. Ray, do you remember <laughs> our two uh, black players in the late 1970s, Dave Bennett and Roger Palmer? And uh, what were you doing at that time? In the late 70s, uh, I think I just stopped wearing my pants. Uh, no, I was at school in <laughs> the late 70s. Um, um, Ray, Ray is trying to tell you that he's not very old, actually. <laughs> Now, Roger Palmer, I remember Roger Palmer. I remember him more for being for Oldham because he was there for so long. Um, he had a nice, I think he, you see pictures of Roger. He had a, a little, always a little smile, a little cute, cute smile, can I say. Um, and um, the, the Afro. So, uh, yeah, Roger, but as I said, more of an Oldham player. Dave Bennett. That was, that was Raheem before there was a Raheem. Uh, I, seem to rem- I seem to remember he was quite slight, Roger. He wasn't a big, certainly wasn't a big beefy centre forward. Very yeah. kind of slim, quite, not small, but not, not a huge guy either. I could be wrong. Yeah, Dave Bennett, I mean... He, he, I tell you what, he's a lad. In the, we're talking the seventies. So he'd have been in his. He'd have been young if we're talking about the seventies. I thought he's more of a late seventies, eighties guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Sort of. He was in my the posters on my wall in about seventy eight, seventy nine through to eighty. Because we had those those bit those posters of the team all sat down for the team photo, and uh, you had uh, Dave Bennett and you had uh, Roger Palmer in there. He played in the. Um, 81 FA Cup final, didn't he? He did, yeah. That was uh, Dave and Bennett. Then, I think. Dave Bennett went off. To, didn't he play for Coventry in a cup final as well? 
Oh, that's an interesting piece of knowledge. I did not know he, that. He, he, yeah, when they beat Spurs. Oh, I mentioned that. I like that. They beat Spurs um, 3-2 in the FA Cup final in the early 80s. And he, he do you remember Keith Houchin? Was that a diving-headed goal? Keith Houchin's yeah. goal. And it was it was uh, Dave Bennett who supplied the cross. Right, so he wreaked his revenge, or as they say in Blackadder, his yeah. revenge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, can I mention one more thing? Yeah, Just sure. I'll mention one thing. And I, I, I don't know how reputable and trustworthy Calcio Mercato is. Oh, have you got a hot take on the press? Yeah, but, but I'm surprised no one else has come up with, you know, not for you guys, but any other, because normally what you have, what you get is when one media outlet um, comes out with a story, other people start to copy it uh-huh. because that's just the way it is. And what they said, this is at uh, quarter to eight tonight. They said, apparently, uh, João Cancelo has agreed personal terms with Manchester City. Uh, with Juventus now have to do the same with Danilo. They haven't agreed personal terms with him yet. And apparently, they say that uh, Cancelo is satisfied with what City are offering. And uh, they've agreed the personal terms. And uh, the, the player is, <laughs> apparently, uh, this makes me slightly dubious. The player is convinced, the, the City have convinced the player about the project they have in place. That could, would have been 10 years ago when we had to convince players like David Silva, Aguero, Yaya Toure. Now, really, you don't have to convince anybody uh, about the, the project because City are there. We've made it. We're in now, phase, uh, phase two of the project, aren't we? Yeah. Well, in terms of money, I mean, everybody talks about money. So they say apparently uh, Juventus want 40 million euros. Plus Danilo or not? Danilo. Uh, City are offering 30 million plus Danilo for the deal. Uh, and so say Calcio Mercato, there is optimism among all parties that the deal will be done in the next few days. Danilo, and they just throw this in uh, for good measure at the end, Danilo's earning five and a half million euros a season at City, which is about £100,000 a week. It sounds right, but Juventus only want to offer him four million euros. So they're still they're skimping on one and a half million euros a well, season. Wait, 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 Mr. Accountant. You said five million a year. Five and a half. Well, isn't that about forty or fifty thousand a month, or sorry, a week? Or have I got that wrong? That- hundred thousand a week. Well, here, Mister Literature Guy, oh, hundred thousand okay. times fifty is five million. Oh, guys, I'm so being guys. Help me! I'm being schooled by the accountants. Oh my god! Wait, look, look, Mike, I'll be quite honest with you. <laughs> my my ten year old boy would have schooled you on that. <laughs> but I can school him on Hamlet, guys, and I think that is the way, that's the point that we should end on. Surely, I've got to, I've got to leave here with some dignity. <laughs> but anyway, listen, guys, that was a fabulous chat. I think that pretty much everyone is up to date, and um, we we better really leave it here. And I'm not, uh, you know, Colin and and Ray and I could easily go on, and I could keep them up out of their beds for another hour with all of this stuff. But we realise that you guys are devoted fans have got lives and you need to be you need to <laughs> well, be able to live <laughs> you need I'm to gonna, I've, got, I've got to say this I was supposed to be doing um, a, a preview of the um Community Shield game, and that was—I'll uh, tell the people what time we're on. That was scheduled for 11:30 p.m. with the only Liverpool local Liverpool fan I could find in uh, Adelaide, uh, in Australia, and uh, she she hasn't turned up. So um, that might mean I get a slightly early night for a change, um, because I thought I'd do this uh, Skype recording, then get the video out. I'd have been up till two or three o'clock in the morning to do that. But, uh, well, it's basically sums up my last two weeks trying to get uh, a local Liverpool fan to meet me at Anfield. You'd have thought, you know. I wonder why that could be. Liverpool fans unwilling to talk to you about the history of their club and about their prospects for the Community Shield fine. Any any thoughts? 
Well, they're not local. A lot of them, you know, all the, the big Twitter accounts, not local fans. The only people I didn't ask, the only decent size organization I didn't ask was the Ampel Crap. I mean, sorry, the Ampel Rap. Well, um, uh, well, hold on, Ray. We're gonna I, be, we're gonna be we're gonna be sending this pod to them, so don't don't diss them too much. <laughs> the Ampel. Yeah, my my, my uh, play on words there wasn't a mistake. Uh, I was right the first time, and I I know I I, I, I spoke to them last season. I couldn't approach them again because. You know, uh, even though they're a decent size uh, organization with, I think, seven employees, which I, I can't, I can't believe how gullible and deluded. Yes, I can actually believe how gullible and deluded the Liverpool fan base is because. These were the guys we talked about, the grass being too long. Etihad, when we beat them 2-1 last season, uh, that helped us to get back in the title race. You know, these guys, some of the things they come out with, it's, it's crazy. And you can't, I honestly can't believe how you can get such a following uh, talking crap. It's not work for me. If that confuses you. (laughs) Well, guys, perhaps we should just uh, finish off on this since Ray has mentioned it. Uh, Colin, how do you see the Community Shield going? What type of game do you think it will be? And give us your score prediction. Uh, It's difficult to say. I mean, perhaps complaining that the players aren't uh, fully tuned yet, which uh, maybe is is kind of... a dig at the the China trip when we possibly could have fitted uh, another couple of games in if we if we'd stayed a little bit more local. But um, I don't know. I mean, Liverpool also it, it it should be a decent game. I think we'll win it. I don't know two one. But I, I, we're not going to be you know there's not going to be two full first team squads out there as we understand the first team squads. So we'll see, won't we? Will there be VAR, Colin? I've no idea. Uh, over to Ray. Ray, same question. How do you think that game will pan out and what's your prediction? Um, I think all this week people have been asking me uh, about how I thought what would happen. And I said, well, I, I, I've gone for a 3 one to City. I wasn't sure how many of Liverpool's top players, I mean, but basically I think their attacking lineup would actually be playing. You know, people like Salah, Firmino. So I wasn't, and, and Mane, because of obviously their exploits for their country uh, this summer. So, I've always said 3-1. Now we apparently... Ray, got Ray, the, by the way, Ray hasn't always said 3-1, guys. He said like a draw just a week ago. I'm just going to expose it. Oh, no, I would not say a draw. <laughs> I would not give Liverpool the pleasure of getting a draw. Um, <laughs> you it, did, you did. You said that. We've got you on, on record as saying that. But I think, well, you, I, I, I think, I think, I think you've back. changed I, your I, name. I must, have been, I must have been tired. Um, <laughs> and I, well, this week I've been saying 3-1 because I just felt the momentum was with us. Liverpool are not going to have the first team out. But now the news that Emerit Laporte could be out for this game puts a different slant on it. Um, so I will say one all, one all, and whoever's in our goal to be the hero, whether it's Claudio Bravo or Edison, um, they'll be the hero. Colin, um, it is true. Laporte has picked up a knock apparently. So I'm going to give you one word, one word, Colin Mangala. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I think we might go. Uh, well, Otamendi's only recently back, isn't he? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Mangala, yeah. Mangala, Viva Manga. No, no, uh, no. Fernandinho is definitely not back. Uh, depend on whether Danilo's still with us. Um, well, he will be, but still be with us on Sunday, I think. Yeah, John Stones is obviously there. Uh, who knows? John Stones, I, who, I, who won us the title, by the way, by 11.5 millimeters. Why don't? Why can't we just throw one of the kids in? You know, I would not want to start Otamendi simply because if Laporte's out for West Ham Otamendi picks up something he's out for West Ham I don't want that I'd rather he come on for 10 minutes at the end Ray Ray hold on a second we gave Mangala a new 
contract in order to get a few uh, shekels back for him in the sale. What yeah, better? Gonna... What better? What better way than to showcase him for Rocking future buyer? Well, you never know. In the Shield uh, final. I'm yeah, coming round to I'm coming round to the idea actually since you've been speaking. <laughs> well, what, what other, was... I was going to say I will I will tell you about the rules for the community shield. You can make up to six substitutions. Match oh, this squad right. is eighteen, so you can make six substitutions. VAR will be introduced for the community shield. And the other, the new regulations, uh, just to remind you, I'm sure you, you know them already, the ball doesn't have to go outside the penalty box for a goal kicks. Uh, players who are subbed off leave the field at the nearest points uh, and no attacking players in the defensive wall. If the sides are level after 90 minutes, there'll be no extra time straight to penalties. Abba system of penalties has, and we're back to the traditional penalty shootout system. So there's your rule for, for Sunday. I'll tell you a little, I'll tell you a funny little story. I've met a couple of, um, uh, city fans. In- in Seoul recently and uh, they didn't know me I didn't know them and they said the only reason that they could figure out that this was Bolt from the Blue was that I turned up and I turned around and they saw the back of my jacket and they said oh that's Bolt from the Blue and his mate said how do you know that and he said because he's got one word on the back of his jacket Nazri that's how they knew it was me <laughs> and uh, so yeah, guys so guys what, uh, so what I'm gonna I'm gonna be championing Mangala I'm gonna bet you guys a fiver that Mangala gets on in that, uh, that uh, community shield final and uh, I'm just going to finish off I've said this about three times we're going to finish off but we really are going to finish off now by a, a, a wonderful little tweet that someone put up on Twitter I can't credit who put it up but they said that um, Leicester have now got an 85 million pocket of cash burning a hole in their pocket and they need a new centre back Colin uh, Lewis Dunk from Brighton Mangala Mangala yeah, he's on his Mangala guys Mangala Mangala surely we'll get that 42 million back Colin no? <laughs> And well, I mean, we've had him so long now um, that um, he's not on the books at very much now, is he? Because how long has it been? Four seasons. <laughs> yeah. So, so he's only on the he's only on the books at. Um, what eight million now? So anything we get for him will be a, a, a bonus, I suspect. Isn't he on the books as zero, or is that extra one-year contract? Just, I'm just trying to work it out. He came uh, summer of fourteen, so fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, so he, eighteen, nineteen. He'd be down at eight so, million. But his contract is finished. No, then he's got an extension of his contract. Well, he'll be down at what? Four yeah, million? So, so, so four million, yeah. He'll be on at four million. Yeah. Come on, guys. Somewhere out there in the football land, give us some money from Mangala. He deserves <laughs> it. He deserves it. So there it was, guys. Uh, episode five, season two of the Boat from the Blue podcast. So until we talk to you again, let's uh, finish off in our normal way. Have one on us and up the balloon. Oh. 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 Oh